Right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, great to have you guys here. My name is Steve Husky, and I am the lead pastor here. And on behalf of my team, man, I want to welcome everybody, man, our Faith Church family. So glad that you all are in the house. And for all of our first-time guests, we're glad that you showed up today. And we hope it is an incredible experience for you that you come back. And we want to welcome those who are watching online. Let's give them some love. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, there's, uh, there's one thing. I think there's maybe a couple. But one thing that really separates me from a lot of pastors that I know, and it's this, that I'm horrible at golf. If you know pastors, uh, not, not just pastors, but a lot of pastors I know, man, they, uh, they are golfers, love to golf, spend a lot of time golfing, and they're good at it. I've golfed with them. And uh, while I love to do it, I'm just horrible at it. In fact, I, um, I go for this reason. You know, I go just to hang out with friends. I get to golf with some guys here in church and some of our staff who are good friends of mine. So we'll go out. Man, I love laughing and hanging out and enjoying time with, uh, with friends of mine. But really, for you who are golfers, you know really what it is. It's a couple good shots get you back. If I get a decent drive and maybe one or two iron shots and one putt, like, I'm coming back. But uh, I went out and played this past week with Pastor Ryan's first time out in the season. Pastor Ryan was there, and he's a great golfer. And uh, Brody was there, and he's a great golfer. And uh, Ty Beckman up here on the front row, Ty Beckman, monster driver. I'm just honest. I just, I started picking flowers at some point. <laughs> it was so bad. I'm not a quitter, but this is true. Halfway through the ninth, at the turn, I quit. I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I'm just tired of being humiliated. So... But uh, here's the thing, you know, um, I've had some people who've, who've tried to help me over the years, and everybody, if you're a golfer, everybody wants to give you advice, and typically they're not great advice givers. Pastor Ryan is very patient. Where's he at? I see him. Very patient. He's like, don't worry about him, Pastor. Hit another one. It just, he's just a great teacher, man, very gracious. Al Moody, a guy in our church, he's a good golfer, him and his son. He took me out one day and tried to spend some try- time trying to hit my, uh, my irons, and I felt like I got a little bit better. But, so here's my point is this, is is the game of golf, it's not intuitive, right? I mean, you would never see a bag of clubs laying on the ground in a ball and just figure you need to pick up a club, how to swing it, and where to hit it into a hole. Like somebody has to take the time to teach you the game, to teach you the rules, to show you the nuances. If you're going to play golf, it's not intuitive. Somebody has to teach you how to play, right? And it's, it's not just golf. It's a lot of things in life. Somebody has to come alongside of you, give you the information, teach you what you need to know to participate or whatever it is. And when I say the word intuitive, here's, here's what I mean, and you all know this. Intuition is a feeling or a thought you have without outside influence, which means there are some things that you and I know that we just were born this way. We, we just knew it. When we came into this world, there's things we knew, there's things that we understood. And there are things that are not intuitive, stuff that we had to be taught, things that we had to learn along the way. When I talk about things that are intuitive, let me give you a couple examples. For example, we have some things that are like this physical intuition, right? When you come into the world, nobody has to, nobody has to set a timer or put you on a schedule to eat because, you know, if you don't eat in three weeks, you're going to fall over dead. It's like, oh, my gosh, you forgot to eat, right? I mean, God created this ability for your stomach to communicate to your brain when it's empty, and you go, and you know you need to eat, and you know how to eat. Nobody taught you how to eat. In fact, I remember holding my daughters when they were very tiny with the bottle, and I would put the bottle like I'd keep trying to, maybe like, uh, I mean, it's just intuitive. They knew like to put the milk in their mouth. Why? Again, we have physical intuitions, just things that we're naturally born with that nobody taught us, just things we know. We don't have just physical intuitions. We have moral intuitions, right? Even though our parents try to um, try to really confirm it and really try to Uh, make it firm in our hearts, at the end of the day, we're born into this world with a moral code. Nobody has to tell you it's wrong to lie. 
Nobody has to tell you it's wrong to steal or it's wrong to mistreat people. We are born with this moral intuition. In fact, Paul, he, he really says it this way, that it's God's laws written in our heart, that we, just, we come into this world knowing right from wrong. And it's this, this intuitive thing. Nobody has to tell you. Well, there's another area that I believe is intuitive, and that's the area of faith. And when I say faith, I mean, when you come into this world, if nobody impacts you, if nobody influences you, I believe you come into this world with this kind of idea that there's something bigger than you. You may not be able to define it or articulate it yet. You may not have the verbiage or the theology to to really define it. But I think we come into this world knowing like something's out there, that something happens after you die. And in fact, Solomon, he said it this way, that God's put eternity in our hearts. That when you're born, there's something in you that's greater than the moment you live in. And uh, again, we went back and referred to the law, that there's, there's a moral law because there's a moral law giver, right? There's things we just know. So faith, faith is intuitive. But when I say faith, again, I mean it's very generic. There's just a thing, God being something greater out there, up there, somewhere. We don't really know what it is. And so here's what I want you to hear through this, though. This is where we're going to go today. While faith is intuitive, Christ as our Savior is not intuitive. So while nobody has to tell you there's something out there, in order for somebody to come to the conclusion that they need Christ as their Savior, nobody can figure that out on their own. Nobody is born with that information intuitively in their heart. Somebody has to say something. Come on, everybody shout, say something. Someone has to say something. We're in the middle of a series entitled Soundtrack where we're looking at some secular songs and applying, to the, some, to, applying them to some things that we live and some theology we believe and some things that Jesus taught. And today I want to talk for a few minutes about saying something because here's what Paul said. Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, he said, so faith, come on, everybody read this. So faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So he says the way people figure out who Christ is and figure out their need of Christ, the way they get there is from hearing. So if somebody's hearing, that means somebody else is saying something. Someone else is saying something. So if you've not figured it out yet where we're going, today for a few minutes I want to talk about us sharing our faith with friends. Another word is evangelism or testifying. You know, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever word you want to use, they're all uncomfortable words. And when I say it, I feel the air sucked out of the room because someone would rather have a colonoscopy or go get a root canal than share your, share your faith with somebody. I don't know why it's that way. It's a very uncomfortable topic. It's very uncomfortable to talk about. For some of us, it's very uncomfortable to even think about engaging in. And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk about how we can do this, why we need to do this, because again, here's what I want everybody to know is someone has to say something, okay? So here's why. Last week, we opened up the series soundtrack celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, that this guy, Jesus, was born and he lived perfectly. He died sacrificially on the cross of Calvary on behalf of all of our sin, And what we celebrated last weekend is that on the third day, he rose bodily from the grave. And we celebrate that moment because through it, we find life and forgiveness and a connection with our creator. But what you find happen immediately after the resurrection is his followers, his disciples went out radically communicating, being a witness. Everybody say witness. That word's used throughout the book of Acts, which is the storyline following the life of Jesus. They went out radically witnessing, telling people, celebrating the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. And that's how the church grew. That's how people came to faith and the church grew in numbers is because someone went out and they said something and people heard it and they put their faith and their trust in Christ. And so what I want you to hear today is this, 
that our highest call is to reach the lost. It's the greatest thing you can do. It's the most important thing you can do. It is the mission of the church. It should be the backbone of our church family. It should be the defining element of who we are as a congregation of this church. It should be your heartbeat, and here's why. Because when you look at some of the final words of Jesus, do you know what they were? It was for us to go witness. He gave his disciples the great commission before he left this planet. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go tell people about me. Go share your faith. Go tell people about your experience. One of the things we talk about as people of faith is that we want to be like Jesus. Do you want to be like Jesus? The greatest way you can be like Jesus is to be people who pursue lost people. Because our highest call is to reach the lost. That's why Jesus came. Jesus left the comfort of heaven, came here on earth, lived the life he lived, taught what he taught, suffered on the cross. Do you know why? To reach you and I and to reach people. You want to be like Christ? We got to reach people. You want to please your father? Give money. Serve in the church. Read your Bibles. Pray. But you know the number one way that you honor the heart of your father? Then you honor what's in his heart. And what is in his heart, his heart beats and longs for lost people. When you pull back the curtain of heaven, Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 15 a picture of the heart of the Father. And he says things like this, that there's a shepherd that has 100 sheep and 99 of them are safe and secure and one goes off and the shepherd leaves the 99 and pursues the lost sheep. There's a dad who has two sons and one son is home safe and sound and the other son is off the rails living in the world and the father is looking and waiting and longing for him to come home. I'm telling you the highest call and passion of the church is to reach lost people because it's the final words of Christ. It's what Jesus came to do. It's the heartbeat of the father and we are here because somebody reached us. So today for a few minutes, I want to look into um, the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Colossians chapter 4 is what is known um, as a prison epistle, prison epistle. And here's why. It's an epistle, which for us, another word that we would use is a letter. The New Testament is not a book. The New Testament is 27 distinct separate books connected together to form the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament are biographical sketches of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The rest of the New Testament, or the majority of what's left of the New Testament, are what's known as epistles. They're letters that people who are closely connected to Jesus wrote to other individuals or groups of individuals to instruct their faith, encourage their faith, inspire their faith, etc. Many of those were written by people like Peter, John, most of the epistles or most of the letters written in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. So that's why what we're about to read, Colossians, is an epistle. Now, I said it's not just an epistle. It's a prison epistle. There's four of them. Do you know why? Because the Apostle Paul wrote this particular letter from He was in lockdown. He was in the hole. You say, why? I I mean, for the Apostle Paul, he was probably such a godly man. How does a godly man end up in jail? He ended up in jail writing this letter to us today because he was witnessing. He got thrown in jail for stirring up trouble for sharing his faith, which means if you share your faith, it may not always go well, may not always be comfortable, may not always make you feel good, but it's always worth it. Think about today the Apostle Paul. Even though he made himself uncomfortable, so uncomfortable that he went to prison for 
his faith and sharing it with people, he could have never anticipated that 2,000 years later, because he was willing to make himself uncomfortable and share the truth of Christ and commit to other people the story that he knew and experienced himself, here we are later, two and a half to three billion people on this planet that know Christ is our Savior because he was willing to share. Come on, somebody. So while you may feel the price you pay, it might cost you something. Someone might get upset at you. Someone may shut you down. Someone may tell you to be quiet. While you may feel the price you pay, you'll never know the difference you make. I'm convinced with all of my heart that if we will do what God's called us to do and do our best to fulfill our goal to reach lost people, that I believe there's people will influence that we'll never know. I believe there's people will win that we'll not, not figure out until we reach the eternity. Here's the thing. Every person you win wins more people, and they win more people, and they win more people, which means you influence just one. That one could influence thousands. Someone brought me to Christ, and I have won tens of thousands of people in Christ in 25 years. That's credit to them because they won me. Are you all here? I want to tell you. So it may not be easy, but today we're going we're gonna to engage and we're going to lock in about this idea of evangelism or sharing your story or how, whatever term you want to give it. And here's where Paul says, Colossians chapter 4. He says, pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm in chains. He's saying, I'm in jail for this thing, and I'm still committed. So if something bumpy happens on the road, stay committed. And here's what he says again. He says, pray for us. I talk to people a lot, and he'll say things like this. Pastor, I don't know what to pray for. Like, I want to pray, but I'll run out of things to pray for. If you'll commit yourself to be a person, to follow the highest call to reach people, you'll never run out of things to pray for. Do you know why? Because you can always pray for your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors. Pray that God will open their heart. Pray God will prepare them for someone to speak to them. Pray for you to have boldness. Pray for you to have opportunities. After you talk to them, pray that God will stir what's in their heart. I'm telling you, you'll never run out of things to pray for if you'll engage and be a person that's committed to share what Christ has done for you. So he says, hey, pray for me. And notice what he says. Pray for us, too, that God will give us, everybody say these next two words, many opportunities. Now, here's what's funny about these words. For us, we feel like the opportunity to share our faith is like a unicorn. Like, I mean, I've heard of them, but I've never seen one. They don't exist. We feel like we live in a culture that nobody wants to hear it. That's your truth. That's your experience. Shut up. Keep it to yourself. And in some ways, we live in that culture. But I want you to understand something about the culture we live in compared to the culture Paul lived in 2,000 years ago. The, the culture that the Apostle Paul lived in was much more hostile to Christians. Yep. I don't know how many people you know, you know in jail for their faith. There's one right there. Was much more hostile to Christians. And also, it wasn't just much more hostile. They were a much more corrupt culture. They, they actively worshiped false gods and idols. It was crazy. But man, in spite of all of it, he said, I'm going to go and I'm praying that God gives me many opportunities. I just want you to know, as I got ready a couple weeks ago and this week specifically, I was praying that God would give every one of you in this room many opportunities. Not one opportunity. I'm telling you if, you, if you'll realize there's opportunities all around you. And it's funny for a lot of us maybe who have shared our faith, we feel like we've got to produce opportunities. You never have to produce an opportunity. All you have to do is perceive an opportunity, which means you don't have to make it happen, and you don't have to stand on the corner with a bullhorn, and you don't have to force a track into somebody's hands. But if we will partner with the whispers of the Holy Spirit, he will put you in the right place. He'll put you in the right relationship. He'll put you in the right time, and God will, God will open a 
quiet door for you to walk through, for you to engage and share your faith with another person. So you don't have to force it. All you got to do is look around in the world you live, and God will continually bring you opportunities. Come on, everybody say opportunities. I'm praying opportunities for you to share your faith. They are all around. I'm telling you, I am a person. I, I actively share my faith when God gives me opportunity. It's not always comfortable for me. I don't always feel good when I do it. I don't always like the results of it. But I'm telling you, I'm committed in sharing with others what God's done for me. I've shared my faith um, a lot on airplanes because they're trapped. Can't go nowhere. But I don't lock people in because, honestly, sometimes God will send somebody to me. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to talk to nobody today. I put headphones on. I don't want to do it. But every time I've engaged, and I, t- I tell people this, I never tell anybody, because when you meet somebody new, they ask you two questions. A couple of, what's your name? What do you do, right? Um, and when people ask me what I do, I never tell them I'm a pastor, because if I tell them I'm a pastor, they won't talk to me no more. <laughs> so I'll tell them, that, you say, what do you tell them? I'll tell them I'm a people specialist, or I tell them I'm a public speaker, because that's what I am. And so, uh, and it opens the door, and you'd be shocked how people, and, and you don't have to just force the gospel. Get interested in what they're interested in. Listen to them tell their story. Do more listening than you do to talk. Eventually, they'll get to something they're excited about, or they'll get to something that's hurting them, and it's an open door for you to talk. And so that's all I do. I'm telling you, there are, there are opportunities everywhere that you go. And uh, I, I shared this story a couple services, first service, I think. Several years ago, some of you guys know I'm a gamer. I've said that before. I get online, I game. In fact, my screen name, if you want some, come get some, is Pastor Blaster 36. <laughs> For real, that's my name, Pastor Blaster 36. I play some first-person shooters. And it's Pastor Blaster 36, not because there were already 35 Pastor Blasters, but that's, what, that's how old I was when I started gaming online. I never grew up. Anyway, so... Um, I tell my wife, like, I tell you, like, if I don't, sometimes if I don't shoot people online, like, I could shoot some real people. It's going to be like, that's horrible. Pray for me. I don't know what to tell you. I, <laughs> life can be stressful. So, but I'll get on, and, and I don't anymore. A lot of times I'll play with people um, that are here that I'm friends with. But for years, I would play online. Like, you just jump online. You never know who's going to get in your party, people from all over the world. And I can't tell you how many times, truthfully, people would see my screen name, Pastor Blaster 36. And you know what they say? Are you really a pastor? Absolutely. And I have people ask me all kinds of questions. One of the games I played, Call of Duty, it's a, it's a war game, it's a shooter game, and it's around World War II, so you got the Nazis. And I had a kid ask, this is, this is probably six, seven years ago, he asked me this question. He said, uh, so you're a pastor, so what do you think about that Hitler guy? Like, do you think, he could go, you think he could go to heaven? And when I talk to somebody and I engage in somebody in a conversation about faith, I don't answer questions directly, or rarely. I, typically, I'll answer questions with questions. So what about this Hitler guy? Do you think he ever go to heaven? I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he went to heaven? No, man, there's no way he went to heaven. Are you kidding, man? He killed all them people and caused a world war. Ah. And I was like, hmm. So where do you think he went? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. I'm not sure I believe in hell, but there's no way he went to heaven. So I'd say he went to hell. Hmm. So, uh, so who do you think goes to hell? Well, bad people go to hell. Like, you know, I mean, child molesters and Hitlers and, okay. Well, so if bad people go to hell, who do you think goes to heaven? Well, I don't know, good people. Are you a good person? I got him at that point. Zzz, I got him. He's on the hook. You a good person or a bad person? And once you help, understand, help people understand that they're not as good as they think they are, then they're open to a Savior. About seven years ago, I got to pray with a young man. He's 17, 18 years old. And he prayed before we got off the game, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I'll put my trust in you. You know why? I was playing games. I'm going to be honest, that was kind of a, that's kind of a distraction of why I was online, but I was glad it happened. 
But there's opportunities everywhere. I'm praying for everybody in this room that God will give you many opportunities. Again, you don't have to force it. You just have to have an awareness that there are people around you that are hungry, hurting. They want to have conversations. They want to engage. And you have to have those many opportunities. And so Paul goes on. He says, with these many opportunities that I'm praying that I have, he says, pray that I'll speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. So he says, pray that I'll have the boldness to speak up. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the goal of evangelism? Most people would say the goal of evangelism is that people would get saved. While that is obviously the ultimate goal for people to come into a relationship with Christ, I would rather us today to understand this. The goal is to lead people to Christ. You say, wasn't that the same thing? Not really, and here's why. When we talk about leading someone to Christ, think about that it's a journey, not a destination. You don't have to get them from where they are all of a sudden to being saved. It's a journey. You just have to help them take another step forward. You and I just have to be part of the process where they get one step closer to Christ. So for you, you have to understand what is the role, what is your role in the goal? What is your role in that person's life? For some of you, it might be that you're there to make an invitation, to open up a conversation, to answer a question, to share a story. See, there's all kinds of different roles that you and I can play in the life of an individual as we move them closer to Christ and ultimately making Christ their Savior. What is your role in the goal? What is your role in your coworker's life? What is your role in your neighbor's life? See, all of us, we have roles in seeing people being led to Christ. So the Apostle Paul, he, he takes a few minutes and he talks about kind of these roles. And it's not just all just getting people saved. In fact, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Now, what he's talking about is, he's talking about the seed is the gospel. He's saying, I went out and preached. Not everybody got saved. Some people heard me. Some people tuned me out. Some people got saved. Some people didn't get saved. He said, Apollos, another teacher, another apostle, he said, Apollos came behind me. Man, he just watered the seed. He just loved more people. He taught some more He said, but at the end of the day, he said, it was really at the the end of the day, God is the one who saves people. God is the one who ultimately brought the change. So some people, he goes on and says this, listen, I love it. He said, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. God is the one who saves people. You can't save anybody, but you can take part in your role in reaching the goal. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. So what's your role in the goal? I'm going to give you three, there's more than this, but three areas that I think is everybody's role at different times and different places and different opportunities. And here they are. And you need to figure out what your role is in the relationship you're in. Number one, living a life that honors God and loves people is being a witness. The song we opened with said this, that, you know, the best way to say something is what? Not say anything at all. You don't always have to go around and preach to people. You don't. You don't always have to go around and, you know, read Bible scriptures and leave tracts. Sometimes what this world needs is just somebody who's willing to live a a consistent Christian lifestyle. Be a person of character and integrity where the world's cutting corners and falling back and doing things they know is wrong. Be a person that loves your wife. Honor your wife. Love your husband. Raise your kids right. Do the right thing with your finances. Support your boss and humble and submit yourself to him. Live in the society and culture you live in where you make it. Just be consistent. Like, don't be the person that goes to the bank and, like, you get an extra $20 and it was a mistake on the teller, but you're like, praise the Lord. God bless me. No, you're a thief. Take the money back. God didn't bless you. It was a mistake. 
And when you go to work, tell that story. Man, I, you know, I went through the drive-thru and they gave me an extra $20 because you know probably what your friend will say? You kept it, right? No, I didn't keep it. That's the wrong thing to do. I, I sent it back. You don't even have to say why because they're looking at you like, he's crazy. But it sets up that you're a person that's different. There's, there's a character in you that's different than the world we live in. Are you hearing me? And that is what Jesus says. Listen, he says, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works. They'll see the choices you make. They'll see the character you have. They'll see the life you live. And what does it do? It causes them ultimately to glorify your Father in heaven. That subconsciously they will make a connection as you live a lifestyle different than the world that we live in. That there will somehow be a connection like, hey, he's different, she's different. What's going on that they live different than all my friends and all my family members? It ultimately lead back that they're going to glorify your Father who's in heaven. Here's the way Paul says it, Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Come on, why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand. I love this, that we should walk in them. See, I'm talking about opportunities. Again, you don't have to manufacture opportunities. The apostle Paul says, before you were ever born, before you ever came into this world, he knew that you would be his child, and he set up in you and prepared opportunities for you that when you got here and you became his child, that you would walk in them. So you don't have to make opportunities up. They're already prepared in eternity for you to take advantage of them and lead people to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I love it. So just live the gospel. Just live. Just be a person of character. Here's the second thing you can do to fulfill your role to reach the goal is invite them to church. It's profound, isn't it? Like, I don't know about you guys, I think we have a pretty amazing church. Like, hey, and so when I say invite them to church, don't just walk around saying, hey, come to church, come to church. Have a conversation. Man, what'd you do this weekend? Well, you know, I went fishing. When I, my, you know, my son had a basketball tournament. You know, what'd you do? Well, I did the same thing. And man, Sunday went to church. And man, our church, we opened up with the song by Justin Timberlake, Say Something. It was amazing. I promise you it'll be a conversation. Talk about it. Talk about how wonderful your pastor is. Just start telling, man, my pastor is amazing. Just stop and pause and look. If you make a noise, it's better. Mm. And then proceed. It gets people's curiosity up. Seriously, talk about, talk about something God used to speak to your life, a point in the message a song that was sung, something God stirred in your heart. Don't just invite people to church. Talk about what God's doing in your church and in your life through church. And then say, man, I would love for you to join me, man. Come and I'll save a seat for you. We've got three services, man. Just come and be my guest. You don't have to talk about God. You don't have to talk about scripture. Just, hey, man, I love church. This is what happened. I'd love for you to be my guest. These first two options, just living the gospel and inviting people, anybody can do it. And we all should be doing it because it's our highest goal is to reach people. What I want you to hear today is this. Again, faith is intuitive, but Christ as your Savior is not intuitive. Someone has to say something. Eventually, someone's going to have to open their mouth and share the gospel. Someone's going to have to share the gospel. So for a few minutes, I want to help maybe some of us here understand what it looks like, what it feels like to share the gospel. Here's what Paul said back in Colossians 4. Paul said, pray that I'll proclaim this message as clearly as I should. He's saying, I I pray that when I talk, people get it. People hear me. Help me to pull back. He's praying, God, help me to pull back the curtain. Help me to make it plain. Help me to pull it on the boulevard. Help me to put it down where the goats can get it. Whatever term you want to use, help me, Lord. When I talk to somebody, when I share my faith, when I evangelize, 
Help, me, help them to get it and understand it. And so I'm going to give you four ways that you can share the gospel. Um, I had a conversation with our small group, and, uh, and, I, and it was just, I guess, because I'm getting older, but none of them had heard this term, the Romans Road. How many people have heard the term, the Romans Road? So most of you have not. So here's four ways that when God gives you the opportunity, if God gives you the opportunity for you to share specifically the gospel, how to lead someone to Jesus, here's one of the four ways that you can use, the Romans Road. What is the Romans Road? It's three scriptures. They are all found in the book of Romans. Shocker. They're all found there. And you can turn a person one by one. This is how I've witnessed to people for a long time. I don't always use this way, but there are times I've used this. And when you take them to the Romans Road, the first scripture you show them is Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone is sin, and all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now let me ask you a question. If you ask your friends, are you a good person or a bad person? What are most of them going to say? good. Everybody thinks they're good. So when you show them this scripture and say, well, what is, what's Paul say? Well, Paul says, we're, we've all sinned. Well, does that mean you sin? Well, I'm an all. And help people understand that they're not as good as they think they are. Ask them some simple questions. Well, let me, you're a good person. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever stolen anything in your whole life? And they always go to the crayon they stole in third grade. They don't talk about like, you know, well, you know, I've stolen a couple things. Okay. Have you ever committed, uh, have you ever blasphemed? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yeah. What's that make you? Blasphemer. So you've stolen things before. Yeah. What's that make you? A thief. Have you ever lied before? Oh, I mean, just a couple times. Just a little white ones. No, no, don't qualify them. Have you ever lied before? Yeah. What's that make you? A liar. So you just told me you're a good person, but by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving blasphemer. Come on. Like, this helps people understand they're not as good as they think they are. So you show them this first scripture, just some basic conversation. It helps people understand that, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not as good as I think I am because everybody's sin. sin. Romans 6, 23, next scripture. For the wages of sin is death. Hey, you just admitted you're a sinner. God says, man, the wages, the debt of that is that one day we're going to die and be separated from God forever. That's, hor that's horrible news, right? Yeah, here's good news. But the free gift. You like free gifts? So do I. You know, God says he's got a free gift, and the free gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That Jesus came, man, to rescue. That if you continue in the lifestyle you're in, you're lost. And man, I hate that. And God loves you enough that he sent his son to rescue you. And it's a free gift. Nothing you have to do to earn it, but put your faith in Jesus. Do you want to do that? Well, here's how you do it. Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. This is all you got to do. It doesn't say anything about baptism. It doesn't say anything about baptism. Come on, y'all. It doesn't say anything about baptism or going to church or being a member or reading your Bible or giving money or praying. All you have to do to become a child of God is put your faith in the grace of Jesus. And when you do that, you will be saved. Isn't that awesome? Anybody can do that. Hey, let me show you three scriptures real quick. If you don't even have a Bible with you, you don't know these scriptures, you leave and you forget these scriptures. You don't even have to use scripture. It's a good idea, but you can take them through the ABCs of salvation. ABCs, it's elementary, it's simple. What are the ABCs of salvation? Someone has to admit. What do they have to admit? Admit they're broken. Admit they're jacked up. Admit they're a sinner. Everybody just needs to admit, I need help. You don't have to talk to many people and go very far to find people that say, you know what, I need help. Just admit you need help. You can't do this thing on your own. Believe, believe what? Believe Jesus came to rescue you. Believe he came to be your savior. Believe he died for you on the cross so you can find forgiveness. Okay, I believe. What do I do now? All you gotta do is confess. Confess my sin to God and confess Jesus as my Savior. Come on, man, anybody can do this. I'm ready to go hit the road. Don't go to the road. People think you're weird. <laughs> Talk to people you know. Number three, personal testimony. This is my favorite. 
personal. Everybody say personal testimony. Everybody here, if you, don't, if you don't know anything about Romans Road and you don't know anything about the ABCs, everybody in this room has a personal testimony. Has anybody here, you ever sat up at night and, uh, and you started watching late night infomercials? I mean, you didn't turn them on to watch them, but once you started watching them, you didn't turn it off? Come on. Everybody watching ad blasters and thigh masters and butt crunchers, and you're like, if I buy one, I can get the second one free. Just add shipping and hang. I can get one for my friend. And here's what sells it. It's not what, it's, what they say it does. Here's what sells those things is they get someone famous. That's right. All of a sudden, Brad Pitt got abs of steel with the ab cruncher. I, I like Brad Pitt. I'm going to get me one. <laughs> what they do is they take somebody who sells the product for them because they say they've had a personal experience and it worked for them. Everyone in this room, you have a personal testimony about God's grace and God's love, and it's worked for you. It's worked for you. So you just got to take the time and you got to be bold enough to share your personal testimony. I do it up here all the time. This this is a fact. Some of you, you know this. A lot of times I'll talk about or I'll use as an illustration food or a restaurant because I like food. And this happens every time. If I mention a restaurant by name, my social media feed will blow up after church of all the several hundred people. You know, I'll mention Panera Soup. I went to Panera, Panera soup, Panera bread. I love Panera. I'm going to Panera for a week. I should get hashtag kickbacks. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> if I mention any restaurant, it'll get flooded. A couple years ago, I mentioned um, Chipotle. Most people in this room had never heard of Chipotle. Over the next year, I can't tell you how many people posted a picture of a burrito on my Facebook page because they went to Chipotle because I said go to Chipotle. Hashtag kickbacks. That's what I'm talking about. They didn't go because the name sounded good, or they liked Mexican food, or they heard it was healthy. They went because I stood on a platform and said, Chipotle is good, you should try it. You all have a testimony that God is good. You need to look at people and say, God is good, you should try it. That's your testimony. Here's what a personal testimony looks like. Acts 26, you can read it on your own. We don't have time today. The Apostle Paul shares his personal testimony. It has three parts to a personal testimony. It's your before Christ, how you came to Christ, and after Christ. Before Christ, describe your life before Christ. Just tell people what life was like before you found Jesus. I can tell people that I was raised in a home. I had great parents. We were taught morality, but I wasn't raised in a home that had God. I didn't go to church. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I lived a life that was out of control. I was involved in drugs and fighting and carrying on. I lived a life that was absolutely wheels off. Next thing you share is how you came to Christ specifically. Don't just say, I went to church and got saved. Specifically tell them. I can tell people in my personal testimony that in March 19, 1989, when I was 17 years old, I went to a youth convention with 6,000 teenagers. I stood in the Columbus room of the downtown convention center, and this man, he stood up. His name was Steve Zielinski. Steve Zielinski stood up and shared on a platform a story I'd never heard. He talked about God's love in a way that I never understood before, never heard it before, and it rocked my world. And, man, he gave an altar call that if you wanted to give your heart to God to come down the altar, I didn't want to, but, man, I couldn't fight it. And with tears streaming down my face and snot running down, my mouth. I walked to an altar and I prayed that God would come into my life, that Jesus would save me and forgive me. And in that moment, I put my trust in Christ and I was changed forever. That's my personal testimony. Third part of your personal testimony is describe how your life has changed. This is how you sell the product. I started using the ab cruncher and after 30 days I had abs. I started putting my trust in Jesus and my life changed. I'm not perfect. I still struggle. I still got issues and I still got battles, but I'm not the person I used to be. God has changed me. God has set me free. I don't get high anymore. I don't lose my temper like I used to. God is in the process and he has made me a brand new creation in Christ. I know who my God is and I know where my eternity is. So that's who I was. That's how I got saved. And that's who I am now. All of you have a story and it doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to wow anybody. 
Your story will connect with people because God will put your story with an opportunity with the person who needs to hear your story. So the last one, this is the easiest one at all in the digital age, fourth way for you to share the gospel. Here's an app. It's called Share Your Faith. You can go to the Google store. You can go to the Apple store and you can download this app. That's exactly what it's called if you type it in. Basically what it is, you open the app and there's two ways you can use it. You can use it without the voice interaction, which basically it's just you just touch buttons and it walks a person through step-by-step the gospel. It even gets to the end where you say, would you like to be saved? And if a person says no, you click no and it gives answers why they should. I mean, it's dummy proof. And if you're so scared, like I don't even want to talk, you can activate the voice and it will say everything. Like you just got to stand there. What are you doing? I'm sharing my faith. Like it does everything for you. But at the end of the day, listen to what I'm telling you. We have to say something because somebody said something to us. You're here because someone got uncomfortable, because someone stepped out in faith, because someone took an opportunity. You're here and you gave your life to Christ. We owe it to the grace of God to pass it on to someone else. We got to say something. Success isn't measured by salvations, but by obedience. One of the things that discourages people is why well, I said something, they didn't get saved. They got mad at me. Now, I'm just gotta, I got to stop. I got to say this right here. The goal is not to win arguments. The goal is to win relationship. Okay? Your goal is not to show how smart you are or show how bad they are. Just have a conversation. This is how you know you won. If they're willing to talk to you again later, you won. Okay? Salvation, again, success isn't measured by salvation. So if you step out and you live this thing, you invite them to church, they come, they don't get saved, you share your testimony, you share the gospel, and they don't respond, it's okay. That doesn't mean you're a failure because this is God's part. I already showed you. Only God can cause the growth. Your part is the plant seed and water seed. Your job is obedience. Did you fulfill your role to reach the goal? Because if you said what you should say, when you should say it, if you lived it out in front of your friends, if you invited the church, then you did your part and God is honored and pleased by how you're living for him. So don't measure it. Did they get saved? Measure by, did I do what God wanted me to do? Because again, your goal is to fulfill your role. And your role with your friend might be different than my role with your friend. Apostle Paul, he ends this up and he says this, Colossians 4, 5. He says, likewise, I'm sorry, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. He says, live wisely, live aware. Because they are watching you. And if you dare to open your mouth and share Christ, the first thing they're going to look at is how have you been living? And if you don't have a lifestyle to back up your story, you're a fraud. But when you have been living the gospel you're preaching, I'm telling you, man, that's, that validates your story. So live wisely. And again, make the most of every opportunity. Don't let them pass you by. You might be tired. You might be an introvert. You might feel a little scared. Make the most of it, man. Step out there and let, again, this is not you. You're partnering with the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. And let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Everybody say it. Be gracious and attractive. As Christians, unfortunately in our culture, we are known as judgmental and pushing people away. Don't be. Be gracious. Broken people already know they're broke. You don't need to point out their flaws. You don't need to be on your high horse of righteousness pointing down at the broken world. Be like me. I heard someone say a long time ago that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Hey, we're both broken. Let me tell you how I got fixed. Maybe it'll work for you too. So let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone.
Last thing, some of you guys don't know this, uh, but there are three, three entities, three individuals that has access to every cell phone in this room. Three people that can text you whenever they want to, with or without your permission. Number one's the president. Has access to your phone. If you have a smartphone, the president of the United States can text you. You quit, need, need to quit tweeting, but he can text you. In case of a national emergency, every phone in this room right now would ding with a text. The second entity that has access to your cell phone is the National Weather Service. If there is a weather emergency, they can text you. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to download an app. They have access to your phone. Do you know who the third is? The third entity that has access to every cell phone in this room to text you whenever they feel like it is the Amber Alert system. The Amber Alert system, it used to send out postcards in 2013, they turned to cell phones, that basically when a child is abducted, they immediately send out a notification that comes to our cell phones that if we open it up, there's a picture. So it makes us aware that a child's missing. So we'll be aware in case we see them. And I don't know about you, but I have received Amber Alerts on my phone. And I, like you, have looked at the Amber Alert, my phone buzzed, looked at it, wasn't a friend of mine, wasn't someone that I needed, and I just swiped it, deleted it, and turned, didn't even look at it. And I hate to say, but I've done that lots of times. Picked up an Amber Alert, didn't even open it, just swiped it and shut it down. Several years ago, kind of the same situation, you know, man, you get ready to, to delete this thing, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit pricked my heart. That's somebody's little girl. That's somebody's little boy. And there are parents at home losing their mind, wondering where their child is. And you have an opportunity to do something. Look at a picture. Just be aware. Think about how much more your heavenly father is losing his mind over his lost children. And man, we just go through this world and it doesn't concern us, man. We just swipe the lead and go on with our life. God wants you to live with an awareness of broken, lost people all around us. And he's given us the grace of the goodness of God to share. And it might be uncomfortable and it might cost you something, but it is always worth it and God will always honor it. And we can play a part in our role to reach the goal, to see people led to Christ. Let's do it. Let's do it. How many people are going to say, Pastor Steve, I, I want to I do this. I want to be better at this. I, I want to actively be a person that shares my faith. Raise your hand. Father, Lord, you see our hands, and more importantly, you see our hearts. And Lord, everybody in this room, including me, we've at times made excuses. We've excused it because of our personalities, because of our schedules, because of our lack of knowledge. And Lord, I pray that we would stop with the excuses. I pray, God, we would take advantage of every opportunity you give us. Lord, in the workplace, in our neighborhood, on ball fields, I pray, God, just give us those opportunities. Lord, sometimes it's not saying anything. It's just living the gospel. Lord, sometimes someone has to say something. And I pray when those moments come, you'll give us the boldness to speak clearly what your word says, what our experience has been, and that, God, people will be led to Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I close here today, maybe you've never yourself come to Christ. And you hearing me share these scriptures that we're all broken and you recognize you are broken and you have made mistakes. And you hear the scripture that says the wages of sin is death. I want you to know that God is perfect and he does judge sin. That's not popular today, but it's true. But he loves sinners. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so you could be connected to him forever. And it's a free gift. All you have to do is ask him 
to save you. All you do is have to ask him. Put your faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here, maybe you're at home watching online, and you say, Pastor Steve, I've never put my trust in Jesus. I've never asked him to forgive me. And today, I want to cross the line. Today, I want to become God's child. Today, I want to ask him to forgive me of my sin. If that's you, if that's you, real quick, I want you to throw a hand in the air. Nobody looking around. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, say, Pastor Steve, pray for me today. I want to give my life to Christ. Throw a hand up and leave it up real quick, just for a minute. Throw it up real high so I can see it. Come on, leave it up. Throw it up real high so I can see it. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Today, I want to put my hope in the trust that I find in Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. I see that hand. Thank you. So I'm going to close in this prayer. You can pray whatever prayer you want, but ultimately as you pray, you just ask God. Well, again, what the Bible says, if you'll, if you'll say it out loud and you'll believe in your heart, in that moment you're saved. So you can pray after me. Come on together. Can we say, say, Jesus, I believe that you came and you died for me, for my sin. I confess my sin to you. I ask you to forgive me. Save me and make me your child. And I receive it right now in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we give it up for about seven or eight, nine people in this house? Yeah. Hey, God bless you guys, man. Have an amazing day. We'll see you next week for week three.